You're listening to the Personal Profitability Podcast, where you'll learn how to earn income, live better, and put your money to work for you. Here's your guide on your path to personal profitability, Eric Rosenberg. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the Personal Profitability Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Eric Rosenberg. And, you know, sometimes everything we talk about in every episode of this podcast so far has been about how to make money, how to earn more money, how to spend less money, budget-focused things. And today I have a friend on who I like to think of as kind of my uh, internet big sister. Uh, Her name is Jaina. And Jaina and I, we met... No, Eric, if you're going to call me your big sister, you should pronounce it Jana, which is the correct way to do it. See, because it's the internet, you can pronounce things wrong and no one ever knows. I met you like, I've known you for like five years and you say my name wrong? That's a little offensive. I say everybody's name wrong. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jana. I know it's Jana. I apologize. See, this, this is how... Fun. This is the fun of of having an internet big sister because they get to give you crap for things that you do wrong. <laughs> like my name, <laughs> Jana. Sorry. It's like, See, well, it's like it's like in Spanish, you know. It's like the little like tilde thingy over the n and the accents. It's just an accent difference. No, it's completely wrong. You're right. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jana, I'm sorry. I need to pound that into my head. Is on with with us today. And we want to uh, talk about the things that we do that are projects that we work on that don't necessarily have a super profit-focused goal. You know, there's things like nonprofits. There's some people just podcast for the fun of it because they love it. They build up all these cool online projects without a goal of making money. And, you know, I've had a few of those through the through the years and, and Jana has as well. And that is what we're here to talk about today. And again, I'm sorry I just said your name wrong. This is not the first time I've said people's names wrong on the podcast, by the way. It happens all the time. <laughs> you know what the worst thing is? The worst thing is like, at least I knew how to like spell and roughly pronounce your name. There are people, you ever have that thing where you meet someone like at a cocktail party or a mixer or dinner party, like a friend of a friend or someone at work who you don't really work with and you get their name. And then, you know, you like chat for a little while, like 10, 15 minutes, you kind of become acquaintances, but you've forgotten their name in that conversation. And then you part ways and then you see them on occasion here and there again and again. And eventually you like can't ask their name anymore. You're like, crap, I don't know this person's name, but I feel like we're good friends. Have you ever had that? No, because I have absolutely no problem saying, I'm sorry, I forgot your name. See, that's that whole like East Coast, like, whatever, I'm just gonna be cut and dry and, and cut right to the chase, right? Like, I, I don't, I've never, I feel like it's an embarrassing thing if I don't know someone's name. Like, you get so far down the rabbit hole, you're like, I'm supposed to know your name already. Look, I had a boss that called me the wrong name for two years. And every time I corrected her, she just didn't care. So I just, the rest of the time I worked for her, I just let her call me the wrong name because it was pointless. So, if that happens to you and you're calling someone the wrong name, then maybe they're just at the point where they're like, whatever. At least he knows roughly who I am. Did you ever watch uh, Parks and Recreation? On Of the course TV I show? did. It's like Jerry or Gary yeah. or whatever his <laughs> name is. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Jana, let's let's talk about some of this. Jana, these. Eric, my God. See, look, this is what happens in my head. I, I can't even do it. No, I can't do it. I'm going to just say it like three times in a row. 
and then I'll get it right. Jana, Jana, okay. Jana. See, now it's stuck in, right? See, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm going to try. I'm really, see, this is, we're like in the conversation and I can't even get it right. I don't nope. know what's wrong with my brain today or, or Sunday. It's shameful. I'm going to have more be, caffeine. You should, you should be ashamed. I'm totally ashamed on the internet. <laughs> All of my fans are hearing me be ashamed and apologizing. <laughs> so, so what, let's talk about some, some fun projects you've done. So what, what got you inspired to get online and start doing things? I mean, we met through FinCon. We met through a conference for finance bloggers. So there was something that drew you into the internet world. What was that? Okay. So for I, for as long as I can remember, I just enjoy writing. Like I just write for fun. And back in around 2010, 2011, my husband and I were just finishing paying off a large sum of debt. And I wanted to talk about it, but I didn't really have anyone to talk about it with. So I decided why not just talk, you know, to put it on a blog, I can write, I can combine what I'm interested in talking about. And if people want to listen, that's great. If not, at least I'm getting the words out. So it was sort of a cathartic, I don't even know that cathartic is the right word. It was a brain dump for me to get words out. And then I just sort of fell into loving blogging. Um, it's a really good hobby for someone like me. Mm-hmm. So for a while, I was, you know, making money off the site and things happened. And I, I had a pretty big, I don't want to say mental breakdown. Um, a crisis a, of uh, a crisis of blogging faith. No, I had a massive depressive episode. Ah, oh. and my entire focus on everything shifted after that happened, and it became that I no longer cared about making money from blogging or anything like that because it was fun, and I have this thing where if something gives me like personal satisfaction, I don't necessarily feel that I have to make money from it. I was actually just thinking about something on that line of thought just yesterday. I was, you know, hammering away at the keyboard, working on freelance uh, projects, writing about credit cards, which, you know, is a super exciting and fun thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually into travel hacking, so I don't mind writing about credit cards. But, you know, thinking back to when I started blogging, which um, my first blog post I ever wrote was July 2006. That was before I started finance blogging. It's been, you know, a decade since I started doing this. When I started, it was just for fun. There was nothing I was trying to get out of it at all. I didn't even know there was a thing such as making money from a blog. And I put mm-hmm. like little AdSense ads on. I was like, oh, maybe, you know, I'll make a nickel or something. But, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't really have any serious drive to make any money on it. And over time, you know, I grew to love it. It became part of my identity. And then, you know, in April, I left my job to start doing this full time. And it's funny how something changes when you start doing it because you have to do it rather than mm-hmm. because you want to do it. So mm-hmm. I love blogging. Obviously, that's what got me into it. That's why I left my job to do it full time. But then sometimes it's like, oh, well, I don't feel like it because it's not fun now. It's, it's work. And even yeah, though it's the exact same thing, going from having it be fun to having it be work is a total flip on, on you know, immensely how you approach it. Exactly. It's true. When it becomes a chore, it stops being fun. When there's a firm deadline, it stops being fun. When you're focused more on the economics of your blog rather than just the content of your blog, something shifts. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like that shift. 
it made me focus more on things that were not important to me and detracted from the things that were. So once I stopped attempting to make any money on my blog itself, it became fun again. And it's it's grown. Um, well, I don't want to say grown. It's evolved. Yeah, well, to, you've, you've changed uh, your blog name changed a while ago, didn't it? It did. Um, what was it? Three years ago, one at, right after everything happened, and I shifted focus from money to more of a general lifestyle. I changed it from Daily Money Shot, which was the personal finance, and now it's Jana Says. So it encompasses not Jana Says. Jana, Jana says. says. Jana says. Exactly. Anything. It's basically <laughs> anything and everything I want to talk about. Like, there's literally no topic. No topic that's per, that's per, that's personal to me that's off limits. I mean, I don't talk about certain things out of respect for other parties. Mm-hmm. Like it though. But, I had an opportunity last week to go down to LA. It's like an hour and a half away to um, do a, a radio or a TV interview about money and couples. And I know that my wife isn't really comfortable with that, so we mm-hmm. passed on that one. Even though it could have, you know, put me on TV. I thought, you know, sometimes you have to do things to to protect your family and, and those around you, especially when it's something so public online. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And my husband is really averse to really at any sort of online presence. You know, he has one, but it, he really he's not into blogging. He's not on. You know, he doesn't really use any social media. He isn't um, building his personal brand online. He doesn't. Yeah, he's definitely not doing that. <laughs> he's like the opposite of Gary Vaynerchuk. <laughs> yes. He, he very much has built his brand, his name through brick and mortar, real life, traditional efforts. Mm-hmm. So like I won't talk about him, a lot of things pertaining to him out of respect for him because it makes him uncomfortable. I don't really talk about my daughter a whole lot. Um, I'm not a mommy blogger. I don't think her stories are mine to tell. That's fair. It gives her her own future to pave the way rather than expectations of other people from what they've read about her. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, if I do put a picture of her on, say, Instagram, I will ask her first. And she's old enough where she can have an opinion on that. Yeah, my daughter, when I put pictures of her on, on Facebook every once in a while, she doesn't really have a choice. No, she doesn't. But she's <laughs> yeah, also my, super cute. So she yeah. is. Your daughter's adorable. <laughs> um, but no, mine's gonna be. She's gonna be ten in a couple weeks. So yeah, she that's definitely, old enough to have a, a firm opinion and understand. Yeah. You know, when something yeah, so, goes on the internet, it's it doesn't really go away. Exactly. Exactly. And she knows how to use the internet. Her friends know how to use the internet. And I don't really want them to be able to find anything on her. Mm-hmm. So my blog now, like sometimes I'll talk about money, not a whole lot, um, but it's really anything and, and everything that's relevant to me and that I think can either entertain, inform, educate, or help the people who read. That's awesome. That's a great mission. And, and you also started more recently a, a book podcast, which – um, listeners, if you enjoy our banter and going back and forth, we had a really fun time recording. I, I was lucky enough to be invited on to co-host and we talked about our favorite authors named Chuck. So, yes. <laughs> so, uh, check that out. Um, do you want to shout out the URL so I don't butcher it? Yeah, sure. Um, my podcast is called the armchair librarians 
and I host it or I co-host it with um, a college friend of mine who also blogs and it's an offshoot. So she sort of has the same approach to blogging that I do where it's just a hobby. It's just for fun. Mm-hmm. And as part of it, we host a monthly link up. Uh, it's called show us your books and people link up with what they read the previous month. So our podcast is sort of an offshoot of that. And that's another thing that we do for fun. And we do have um, in our show notes, we do put Amazon affiliate links, but the money that we raise through that goes directly to charity. Which is awesome. Like, so you're yes. talking about books, something you love, you, you bring a couple bucks in and it goes to causes you care about. Yes. That's, so it's another, you know, another inspiration and way to you know, get involved with something that isn't all about profit. Um, so you can still enjoy it. What do you mind sharing what charity that goes to? Um, we, we pick and choose different okay. ones. So like each so, month or each time you get a payout, you pick a different charity. Yes. We just, we actually just started putting the links on the site about a month ago. Awesome. So it wasn't something it took us. So we launched the podcast in March and it took us eight months, whatever it was, seven months to decide that this was something we were comfortable doing because the podcast, again, it wasn't something we did to make money. It was something we chose to do because it was fun. It mm-hmm. gave us another outlet to talk about books because she and I are both serious book nerds and it's, it's just, it's fun. We have, you know, we don't have any intention of doing it professionally. Mm-hmm. She has a, you know, a full-time real-life job. I have, you know, freelancing jobs. And neither one of us has any desire to be full-time bloggers or, or podcasters. And I think it's important to the both of us to have those to offset the stress of the other stuff. Oh, so you use your podcast and, and your your book site as a kind of an outlet, like a, a stress release and a place you get to talk about something you love and enjoy, which is books. Yes. Which that's totally awesome. You know, I, I, do you want to share just so people can hear what's your favorite book or a favorite couple books you've ever read? And sometimes it's hard to get down to one. That's like, fortunately I only have one child because if you, it would be the same as asking me what, who's your favorite child. I, um, I have, I have a favorite child, but. Like, same, same deal. <laughs> I, I, it was, it's just the one I have. Um, some of my all-time favorites are um, The Art of Racing in the Rain by Garth Stein. Please Don't Come Back from the Moon by Dean Bacopoulos. Uh, the Outsiders by Essie Hinton. Fun fact, that's the book that made me want to be a writer. Oh, I, that one I read in, I think it was seventh grade was, was when we yep. read that. And watched the movie. And the book was, of course, better than the movie. But the, oh my god, that movie is awesome! I love that movie. One, I love that it's like one of those movies with all these actors that were going to be huge in the future, but you hadn't heard of yet when they made it. Yes, it's like uh, every- like Dazed and Confused. I was actually watching that the other day. Just I had it on in the background while I was doing some other stuff, and I was like, oh, I forgot Ben Affleck was in this. Yeah, he was an asshole. Can I say asshole? Yeah. Now that I've said it twice, okay, he was an <laughs> asshole in that movie. Oh, totally. But, um, the guy with the paddle. I feel like the Outsiders, though, it was like there wasn't one person in that cast who didn't go on to have like a huge career. Totally. And this is actually the second time I think Ben Affleck has come up in this podcast, which is kind of weird. <laughs> that is weird. He came up in uh, a, 
a couple months ago in, over the summer, I was at Podcast Movement, a conference just about podcasting, and uh, Kevin Smith, the uh, the you know writer, director, actor, love him. He was walking by because he had been the keynote, and Miranda Marquit, who's been on this uh, show before, was uh, recording with me, and, and I was there with a couple others, and I said, "Hey, Miranda." And I like was covering up the microphone. Like I'm doing that again, so I sound bad. I shouldn't cover the microphone. <laughs> I'm talking into it. But I covered up the microphone. I said, "Miranda, Kevin Smith's right there. You should ask if he wants to be on the show." And she did, and he did, and he came over, and he was on for like 10, 15 minutes. It was pretty cool. And um, one of the questions I asked him, I said, "You know, if you want to get into um, the movie industry and don't have connections to you know Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, what would you do to get started?" So, <laughs> so this is this is the second time. Uh, He's come up. <laughs> I love Kevin Smith. I think I quote Clerks daily. Yeah, I do at least weekly. I'm, t- I'm talking yeah. about that movie, which I was like, like I held it together while I was interviewing him, but I had my little bit of starstruck moment after he left. I, I, yeah, I gushed you a little like, bit. <laughs> did you like scream like a little girl? Well, not quite. I was more of a. Well, if you looked at my social media accounts for like the hour and a half after that happened, um, that was where I was gushing. I was on Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest and Instagram and anywhere that I could say, like, check it out. Here's a picture of me with Kevin Smith. Um, I did that. <laughs> that You know what, though? That's like total gush worthy, though. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's Silent Bob. And he talked. Right? Like Silent Bob, like most of the time, he's just standing there quietly doing his thing. I got one of his epic, awesome monologues on the podcast. It was sweet. Not that That's he doesn't awesome. like sit around talking all day. I mean, his whole life's podcasting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so, um, so how has like when you start a project like this, you know, you have your blog, you have your podcast and, and book website as they're gone over time, seeing as you don't really care about the money part, that's not a focus. What is the big focus aside from just, you know, I'm doing this for fun and what do you find you know, enjoyable about it? And what, what gives you the drive to keep going even when, you know, there's not a dollar sign? What's the, what's the goal? Well, you know, as I, as I said earlier, for me, it's educating, helping, entertaining. And it's sort of, this sounds so dramatic and pretentious, <laughs> but it's kind of my art. Like I can't paint, I can't sing, I can't draw. This is what I can do. This is my creative outlet. Well, I have to say I disagree. You can sing. It just takes a couple of drinks and a karaoke bar. I mean, you've never heard me karaoke. <laughs> have you ever heard me karaoke? I have not. Anyone can sing. It just takes a couple of drinks and a karaoke bar. I'm I have that firm belief. My wife, she absolutely hates doing karaoke and when we lived in Portland, which is like karaoke capital of america i didn't say it the new yorker said it so it must be true (laughs) um like we'd go to these karaoke bars all the time and she only once ever got up on stage to sing and it was on my birthday i uh, gave her an extra couple drinks um just to uh you know take away the fear factor and i went up to the d to the uh dj vj whatever you call that the karaoke Mm -hmm. jockey and i was like okay i just wrote down her name in a song and didn't tell her and I picked the easiest, best song you could ever do if you hate karaoke. Tequila. Because there's only <laughs> one word, right? It's like, how can you word, screw yeah. that up? So she just kind of danced. And, and then when she got back to the table, there was a tequila waiting. Did she do the Pee Wee Herman dance? Are you too young to know what that is? I do know the Pee Wee Herman dance. Okay. She did not do the Pee Wee Herman dance. You know, he just okay. had a new movie come out on Netflix. 
I think maybe. I watched it. It was in kind of like a Pee Wee Herman movie. It was it wasn't amazing, but it was entertaining. <laughs> entertaining. Entertainment is important. So for other people out there uh, who are interested in you know, starting a blog as a hobby, what mm-hmm. advice do you have for them to, to get the ball rolling? Just start. Do you have? Don't, don't think about it. Don't think about it. Just don't. Just decide what you want to do. Set up something for free. You don't have to spend any money um, and just do it. Just start writing. Don't worry about aesthetics. Pick a theme. Pick a name. And just start writing. Yeah, if you if you want to just start a blog totally free without any cost, there's two big places to do it. The most popular WordPress.com and Blogger. Um, Blogger done mm-hmm. by Google. And that's actually where all my blogs started. We're on Blogger many moons ago. Uh, if you if you want your own domain name, if you want your own .com, so it doesn't say .wordpress.com or .blogspot.com, it costs like ten dollars a year. It's not a huge deal. Uh, you can which you know, something I was talking to some bloggers when when I really got started blogging. My first big blog that took off was about uh, Israel and the Middle East, and that that blog I I decided to take down. Um, I just wasn't as driven to keep it going as I was with my uh, personal finance blog. But I got to really know a big community of people around the world who were blogging on the same topics. Um, just like we used to have a personal finance blog carnival, there was a Jewish and Israel blog carnival that I I used to be a part of. And um, I, I got to know all these people and they all had the dot blogspot.com in their URLs. I was like, you guys are willing to spend you know, hundreds of hours a year, thousands of hours, maybe working on um, working on your sites. And you won't put $7 a year in to get your own domain. It's like the cost of a beer at an expensive bar. So if you are interested in doing that, it's like 10 bucks. It's not a huge deal. It used to, there's been inflation since then. <laughs> well, that's, that, that's true. And I agree with that. But if you're looking to do it just as a creative outlet, just as somewhere to write your thoughts or poetry or even put your drawings online, there's nothing wrong with just doing something for free and not that's even true. not spending a dime that's to true. put it on there. So. That's true. I think if there's you're no looking, co- you don't have to spend money by any means. Exactly. Yeah. And then exactly. there's, and if you find you know, what, what's really cool with the internet is everything's changeable. Like you can start a blog called uh, daily money shot dot mm-hmm. if you want. And then mm-hmm. six months down the road, you're like, you know what? I love this. I want to keep doing it by daily And then a couple of years down the road, you have a change of heart. You can change the name to something else.com. Just, just right, like, which is like, exactly what I did, which is exactly what I did. That it was dailymoneyshot.blogspot.com. Then I had to change it to actually it was dailymoneyshot.net because as you can imagine, the .com was taken yeah. given the name. So, um, and then I just decided I didn't want to do it anymore. I changed it to Jana says I moved all the content over. You can do that too if you decide that it's something you want to do. Your content doesn't have to stay frozen in one place. Yeah, it's, not, um, it's not as difficult as one might think to do those kinds of changes. If you Google it, there's guides to do everything that we're talking about. Absolutely free online. Exactly. And I just, I encourage you, anyone who wants to find an outlet to write, if you don't want to do it with a pen and paper, there's nothing wrong with 
you know, putting it online, you can make it if you don't, if you're afraid of strangers reading it, you can set your, it can make it private mm-hmm. or invite only. So there's a lot of things that you can do. And I feel like if you have any sort of passion, whatever it may be, it could be you want to go teach yoga to kids. You know, you don't you do it. It doesn't like, have to and, be online. By any exactly. Means. Like, like we, have any- a, we have a mutual friend um, from the finance blogging world, lives in Southern California, not too far from me, who is a huge pet lover and dog lover and spends most of her free hours, as far as I know, uh, you know, working on pet-related charities and projects. So, you know, whatever your passion is, there's someone out there who I'm sure would love to have your help. Exactly. And part of, I, to me, part of living a, I guess, a well-rounded life is having those things that fuel your passion. You know, you can't just go to work, spend time with your family, and that's it. Like you have to have something that makes you feel fulfilled, whatever it is. Um, you know, you hear people, Oh, I, I wish I had done this when I was younger, but it's too late now. No, it's never too it's late. Not. Age is, I mean, yeah, it's a number, but I think it's more of a mindset. Uh, you know, I know people who my, um, one of my mom's friends, father-in-law, I know that's kind of a distant connection, but someone who I know <laughs> um, yeah. would go to trampoline gym classes until he was like 93. And he, um, his last time at the, on the trampoline was, was about a week before he passed away. So he, that was his thing. That was what he loved. He wanted to jump and go to class. So, so and he was 93. So, you know, if you're not 93, you don't have an excuse. <laughs> so, Last, I think it was last year I read a book called The Leisure Seeker, mm-hmm. and it was about this couple. Um, he had Alzheimer's, and she was dying of cancer. And instead of spending situation. their time in a hospital, they went for, like, one last cross-country road trip in their camper. Mm-hmm. And there was actually a lady – she just passed away within the last month – who lived a real-life version of that. Wow. And she had um, like her son, I think, like shared all of her adventures on Facebook. I mean, she was like 100. Wow. So there's really never a point where you can't do something you want to do, whatever it is, travel, creative, passion. Um, And even if you have a full-time job, I used to work with someone who was a nurse. And on the weekends, she was like, you're going to make a Parks and Rec reference, but <laughs> she was a, she was a singer for a blues band. That's awesome. Mouth so rap. There's, no, I was thinking more Duke Silver. Um, but, uh, but, you know, so there's a way that you can definitely pursue your passion without making it your source of income. Well, one of my biggest hobbies I've, I've mentioned, I think here in the past, definitely on the blog, uh, last year... Well, I've always had this thing, obsession with planes and airports. I thought they were super cool. And nerd announcement alert. Uh, <laughs> I used to play <laughs> games that were like routing air traffic and stuff. I don't do, play a lot as many games as I used to. But uh, like I was so into airports and airplanes. I thought they were so cool. And I wasn't like into like military stuff. It wasn't like bombers and jets. I was like into 747s, like the biggest things that could fly. And I was like, always thinking, you know, how cool would it be to be able to fly a plane? 
like who who does that right like, i mean mm-hmm. pilots but <laughs> how do you learn <laughs> like how do you just like go fly a plane and um i was always you saying how i'd love to go fly someday and my uh in-laws were listening one time when i said that and for my birthday a few years a couple years ago got me a uh a, a one-time intro lesson at a at the airport in santa barbara and i flew for about an hour and what's really cool if you ever wanted to fly a plane you can do it for like $150 for one hour, one time. So it's not like, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to go one time. You don't have to sign up for a really long class. So if you ever really do want to fly a plane, you know, contact a local airport flight school. It's uh, it's not as expensive as you'd think. And I did that one flight and I was like, this is it. I have to, I have to learn how to do this. And um, in between a full-time job and a side hustle and being a brand new dad um, earlier this year and late last year, I pushed through and got my pilot license. I finished it in April. And um, this week actually was the first time I've flown in six months because it's super expensive if you want to do it regularly. But um, And I'd quit my job. So I thought, you know, I should save money before I go fly planes around. But um, at the same time, I have no, I don't really have any desire to become a commercial pilot. You know, I'm not going to go work for a big airline or, um, you know, UPS or FedEx or something flying planes around. I am... Uh, you know, I do it because I love it and I want to fly planes and I think it'd be really cool to fly to Vegas and uh, you know have the weekend or, or fly up to Napa or wherever I want to go. It's, it's pretty uh, it's a pretty cool thing. I don't want to make any money. I mean, it'd be fun to make money. I guess that's that's my other hobby is making money. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I do it because it's because I enjoy it. And um, then I'm, I have I've taken a couple passengers so far as a student pilot. You can't take passengers without your instructor. So I did that one time. But now that I have my license. I can take passengers, so you know it's going to be fun to to show my wife and and my family and my daughter and you know my friends the world their world from a different perspective. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that that is pretty awesome. That's not something I ever had a desire to do. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like a lot of people are like so afraid of flying, and then if you watch the news, it's um it becomes clear very quickly that if you get in a small plane, you're going to die because that's just what you see on the news but it's really actually like super super safe and there are so many rules to keep it that way it's you're more likely to die in a car accident on the way to the airport than you are on the plane well see i'm not that great of a driver (laughs) so i feel like maybe i should not drive a plane yeah if you're if you're not comfortable behind the the wheel of a car you, you know i'd say avoid flying it's <laughs> no, I'm I'm comfortable. I'm just it's just not a strength. <laughs> yes, if it's um it's very important to have extreme precision when you're flying and be able to like super focus on like nine things at once. It's kind of crazy how much stuff pilots have to do at the same time in small planes. But it's actually easier to fly a small plane than a big or it's easier to fly a big commercial plane in most cases than a small plane, which you would think would be the other way around. Because the autopilots are just so good on big planes now, most of the uh, time. If you uh, next time you're on a on like Southwest or JetBlue or wherever you like to fly, you know, take when you take off, you go down the runway, count to about ten seconds. That's about when they turn the autopilot on. And when really? And when you're all lined up coming down to land, about five to ten seconds, or maybe a little longer. Say, let's say ten to twenty seconds before you land, they turn it off. It's like they the computers just fly the plane pretty much now and it's safer accident rates have gone way down incident rates have gone way down because computers don't screw up like people 
we're all fallible. Computers are, if they're coded correctly, infallible. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a fun world, learning how to fly. That's my, my hobby and passion at the moment, outside of my business and my family. So what do you see as, you know, as a future in your blogging and podcasting? Do you have any goal? Do you watch your metrics? Do you care how many people are listening and watching? Or do you, even if no one was there, would you just want to keep doing it because you love it? I don't pay as close attention to metrics as someone who does it for money. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, if it's always at zero, you'd probably be like, I might as well just write this in a journal. So it is nice to know that people appreciate the effort and your hobby and your, you know, you can't see my air quotes, but art. <laughs> um, so that that's nice. And as far as my blog, I think for me, the engagement is more important than the page views. Okay, so you'd rather have a smaller number of readers who comment and reply and care than a huge number of readers who just don't care as much. Yes. I think a lot of bloggers outside of the money-making focus feel that way. And even sometimes with the money-making focus, because you know, let's say you're a, a blogger and you get 10,000 page views a month. If no one mm-hmm. clicks on your affiliate links or your ads or like cares about what you have to say, you're not really going to make money anyway. But if you have you know, a thousand page views a month from people who like really care. And you're like, check out this thing that I really use myself. You might make way more money with, with fewer page views. Uh, so it's not always just about the number of eyeballs. It's about the quality of eyeballs who are, who are reading your content. Well, that's true. And I agree with that. But for me, it's, are people engaging with what I write, not clicking on links that I provide? Right. So, do you do you care about like the comments more or Yes. Okay. So that's so that's your big thing is interacting with your audience. Yes. Awesome. That means that means more to me than am I getting a $100 pay? I actually don't even have ads on my site. That's a whole I I did try to put some on, but I think I screwed up putting the code on somewhere and <laughs> I have yet to go back and fix it. Because it's well, it's not the priority, right? It's not a priority. It's it's not a priority. And it took me a long time to decide I'm going to put these ads on my site. And the fact that they don't show up, whatever. But to me, it's it's more important that, you know, like when I've written about certain topics and, you know, and my readers are telling me, thank you so much. You know, thank you for talking about this. I was feeling alone and now I'm not. Like, that's the kind of stuff that makes me feel like, okay, I'm not getting 50,000 page views a month. There are some months I don't even get, like, 10. (laughs) But I know that for people who are reading, it's making a difference. And that's enough for me to keep going beyond metrics and income. So That's awesome. So, if if someone wants to start a passion project like this and feels like they're too busy and don't have the time, what advice do you have for them to figure out a way to make it happen? I think, okay, I'm not a huge fan of the word busy because everybody's busy, (laughs) but I feel like you can always make time for the things that are important to you. And I have, um, I think I told you this on my podcast, I sort of, or I told somebody, I have a motto that if you have time for Facebook, you have time for 
whatever else. So like when people tell me all the time, oh, you read so much, how do you have time? Because I make the time, reading is a priority for me. So if you are finding it hard to find time to work in a passion project, Laura Vanderkam has a thing, has a little exercise that she encourages people to do. And you basically audit your time. Like there's a free time budget thing on her website and you print it out. And for a week, you track how you're spending your time. And she wants you tracking everything. You're on Twitter for 20 minutes. You write down Twitter 20 minutes. And then when it's over, you go back and you look at where you maybe wasted time. And maybe on one of those days, you just take out 20 minutes of social media and there you go. There is your time to work on your passion project. And as you get into it, you might find yourself reorganizing how you use your time and cutting out um, certain things. I also don't think that you have to necessarily give up anything. Like if you like to watch TV at night, by all means, continue to watch TV at night. I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with watching TV. But while you're working, while you're watching TV, work on your project. Uh, Even if it's in short bursts in between, you know, during commercials or your in between laptop shows. open on your lap. When, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. There's, One of the actual, log, speaking of you TV. You can log from your phone. Oh, totally. Though it's harder to type fast. My, it my is. My words per minute go way down on my phone. <laughs> but, you know, if, if that's something, you know. You can dictate it now. You just hit the little yes. Google listen button. I, I imagine there's something similar on iPhones. You could just like talk to the screen and it will write it down. Yes. It was funny you brought up TV because that was actually a pivotal thing in in my blogging. I used to have cable because that's what everyone did, right? And I I Mm -hmm. lived with roommates and I finished grad school and I moved into my own apartment and I had cable. And every day after work, I'd come home and zone out in front of the TV and have dinner. And that was my, that was one of my biggest places I spent my time outside of work. And um, I cut cable. And when I did that, I did it with the intention, one, of saving $70 a month, because that's what I was paying at the time. And two, I wanted to use that time more productively towards things that I cared about, which didn't have to always be my blog, but that was a big part of it. And at that moment, I I, re- I really followed through on that goal. I said, I'm not going to watch TV and I'm going to do these things I prefer instead. I started going to more happy hours and uh, networking events I started going out and being with people more, which was really mm-hmm. good. And I had a lot more time to work on my blog, which really started to grow even faster and faster at that point. And in the years since, I've saved over $4,000 that I would have paid to Comcast or whatever company. So it was a huge money savings, but it also gave me that time to really focus on what I loved and wanted to do. And I kept Netflix because at the end of a long day, you know, I wrote my blog posts, I did my work, I went to happy hour, came home. And yeah, I'd want to throw on a, you know, 30, 45 minute show before bed. But rather than have that be a focal point of my evening, it was kind of like the nightcap at the end. Um, not a, not a big time suck. Um, so for me, t- getting rid of TV was a huge, uh, life enhancing decision. And, and I think for a lot of people, that's probably true. We have cable. I have never been a big TV watcher. Like, ever, like in my whole life, like I would always much rather listen to music or read a book than watch TV. 
but I was like that as a kid. I was a weird kid. So <laughs> weird kids lead to weird grown ups. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so I still I do watch TV. I, I actually do, but I don't feel that there's really anything that's worth watching live. So I have no problem DVRing everything and then sitting down on a Friday night and watching all the shows that I've saved up throughout the week. Now we do kind of the same thing. My big philosophy is uh, wait until it's on Netflix because <laughs> I don't have a DVR TV, but also oh. like, like um, there's a show, the hundred that's on the one zero zero. It was on CW on, on broadcast TV, but again, I don't have that. And my antenna doesn't work here. We're surrounded by mountains. No TV gets mm. here. Um, so actually just, we watched season one and season two right in a row and they were awesome. And then we had like a year break where we didn't have that show. And you know what? We were fine. And then it came on Netflix and we started watching it again. We do that with a lot of shows. Or I really like waiting for a show to be completely over. That's what I'm going to do like Game of Thrones because everyone goes on and on about how awesome it is. When that show uh-huh. ends, then I'll start it because I don't have to have it take like years of my life to watch it like I did with like Lost. I can wait till it's all over and just just marathon through it. Mm-hmm. Lost ruined my life for the six years it was on TV. It was such a good show. It was I wa- amazing. I actually watched every episode at least twice. I watched it again with my wife because she hadn't finished it. I have yet to go. I've watched Friday Night Lights three times all the way through. I've watched Prison Break twice. Wow. I've watched Freaks and, I watch Freaks and Geeks every year. Well, Freaks and Geeks have, is so good. I'm not I've that long. Yet, I've yet to go back and watch Lost. I actually liked, um, spoiler alert, if you're going to watch Lost, don't uh, listen to what I'm about to say. Fast forward a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> the ending, when I watched it the first time, I was kind of angry. Yeah. I was like, it was such a cop out. But then when I watched it the second time, I actually appreciated it a lot more. I think knowing that it was coming, I was able to see all the pieces that built up to it. But I yeah. still think it was a little bit of a cop out. Um, I, I Especially since... And the like, whole time they were saying it's not that it's not that it's not that and, and then you find it out it's that i was like come on like when did they did they die in the plane crash did they ever go back anywhere where they're flat like yeah uh, it was uh, yeah but then but the second time i did i felt like it was a nicer conclusion than the first time i watched it mm-hmm. the first time i was just mad the same thing happened with the new star wars movie i went and watched it i was like i've seen this movie before like a bunch of jedi trying to destroy the death star is that that's like not a new concept. <laughs> but then when I watched it the second time, I was able to appreciate more of the, uh, you know, the nods they made to the originals and, and, uh, in the story. Anyway, yeah, so- I haven't, I haven't seen it. When my husband went to go see it, um, last year, he went by himself and I stayed home and watched Making a Murderer. That's why our marriage works. Cause, yeah. Well, we, we watched Making <laughs> a Murderer too. And my wife has not, actually, she did watch the new Star Wars. We watched it on a plane, was when I got oh, to I have- watch it. There's no conceivable way I could have less interest in it. I'm like a huge Star Wars fan. That's like, I keep saying nerd alert, right? That's like one of my biggest, like I'm, I'm actually, I love Star Trek enough that I went back to the beginning. I hadn't watched them all. It was just like random episodes I saw growing up. I had watched with my dad when the next generation was on. I decided I should see all the Star Trek. So I went back to the beginning. They're all on Netflix right now. And I watched the whole original series and I'm almost done with the next generation. And, uh, I'm debating if I'm going to keep going with the other shows because it's a there's a lot of episodes. <laughs> I can assure you, I will not be watching that. 
<laughs> I'm actually, I just started watching on Amazon, Good Girls Revolt, and it? it is awesome. I watched the first episode of that, if the Nazis had won World War II show that I want to finish, uh, Man in the High Castle. I, I got one. through half an episode of that, and I was like, I can't do this right now because I'm not a huge fan of World War II stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, if you're not a, if you're not into history, that would not be a fun show to watch. It, yeah, it didn't do it for me. I listened to. Um, there's a podcast called Hardcore History with Dan Carlin. He goes, he does these like four hour episodes. They're pretty much like ebook on on different things in history. He did a five episode or six episode series on World War One. Was like oh, thirty wow. hours or something. I oh my to god! The whole thing over a course of months, it was like, that was like all I did in my commutes. And when I was driving out to the airport, forty-five minutes away to learn how to fly and back, like, you know, it was an hour and a half in the car each way or round trip. That's like that's like those Ken Burns documentaries. Yeah, they just like keep going and going. But it was like, yes, I like feel like I know so much long. about World War One now. It's it's kind of crazy though. I'm still. Um, not convinced. I like looking back to how it started. I know this, and it's like crazy tangent from talking about <laughs> side income projects and, and passion projects. It's, I, I think it's like crazy that how that war started because it really, yeah, like it was about an assassination of a guy was what really yeah. started it. But like, yeah. what was the war really about? It was just about a bunch of people who didn't like each other and were all neighbors because killing, you know, one guy shouldn't have led to so many deaths. But it uh, it did in a in a crazy way. But hopefully we learn from history and and it won't repeat. And hopefully listeners, you learned from Jana about passion Yay, projects. Yeah, you got it right. Totally. And I'm gonna get it right forever. Uh, <laughs> knock on wood. Um, I shouldn't knock because then the dog will think someone's at the door and start barking. <laughs> <laughs> so so if people want to connect with you, if they want to find you, if they want to check out your podcasts, your blogs, where should they go? Um, okay, so on Instagram and Twitter, you can find me there at SaysJana, S-A-Y-S-J-A-N-A. My blog is the reverse of that. It's janasays.com. My podcast is The Armchair Librarians. You can find that on iTunes and um, all of our episodes are archived on our website, which is thearmchairlibrarians.com. I know it's creative. <laughs> and... That's about it. I'm not huge into. I don't have Snapchat. And I have Snapchat and I hardly use it. Like I, I don't. It's. I tried that Instagram Stories thing and I kind of liked it better than the Snapchat one because I was already on Instagram. But like, I just my the only reason I really have it is so my sister can send me stuff because because she's five years younger than me and and apparently that's somewhere between her age and my age is where people stop using Snapchat. <laughs> yeah, my my one sister isn't on any social media at all and then my other sister She's a lot. Is she even a person if she's not on social she, media? She believe it or not, she is. They she just has like very very rigid privacy standards. She's also a teacher, so I oh, understand yeah. why she Teachers doesn't have um, to be uh, super yeah. careful. Yeah. And um my other sister she it just isn't a big social media person like she has it because she's 29 but she just doesn't it's not a priority for her so yeah, well what i well, they would they wouldn't send me anything which is apropos of absolutely nothing that we just talked about but snapchat <laughs> so you can't find me there is basically what i'm saying so look for Instagram Jana is, other places that are not snapchat yeah twitter and instagram story. are the best places to find me or my blog awesome. um 
Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening here till the end. Thank you, Jana, for not <laughs> hanging up at me when I said your name wrong at the beginning after knowing you in person for years. Um, <laughs> thank you, everyone, for being a part of the community. If you love the show, you know, I'd love a rating on iTunes or tell a friend. I don't do any marketing or advertising. So your word of mouth means the uh, the world to me. And as always, thanks for, for sticking around and being a part of this community. And until next time, stay profitable. Thanks for listening to the Personal Profitability Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating on iTunes or share it with a friend.